Welcome once again to the Biz Life Podcast, broadcasting live from UNR Extension Studios in lovely Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm Mike Bindrup, and we're here with the Small Business Education Program. Today we're going to be talking about insurance, and we have our special guest, Mr. Brandon Zobrist. Thank you for joining us today, Brandon. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks Brandon, you're with Schwartz Manning and Associates. Tell us about your uh, your company. So Schwartz Manning and Associates, we are a uh, independent agency brokerage here in Las Vegas. Uh, we have offices in Utah, Nevada, and California. And California, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we are primarily a commercial broker. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a benefits division. Uh, we we sell all kinds of insurance from life insurance, uh, property and casualty, health insurance, group medical, um, anything you name it. We can find it and buy it for you. Find it, perfect. Yeah. That sounds good. That sounds good. Well, we have a f- bunch of insurance questions for you today. So let's let's talk about small businesses and what type of insurance do you just need? No matter what type of business, what do you, what do you recommend? So the main thing that you're going to need is general liability insurance. Mm -hmm. That is the number one insurance that most businesses need to have. And that is going to protect you in the event of a lawsuit or any type of damage that that is caused to other people. Okay. Whether it be financially, uh, personal injury, anything that happens, slip and fall, uh, premises liability. Liability is basically insurance that covers you for damage to any other people. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And then on the other side of that, we try to couple that with property insurance. Mm -hmm. And that usually covers buildings or any type of location that has a monetary value. Okay. So say if I'm a, I, I, I have a building that, that we do business in, but I also maybe I own a couple of rental properties. I probably need something a little bit more to cover the rental properties. Correct. Um, yeah, yeah, it can work that way. It all depends. So you, you buy insurance with the entity. I mean, if, if it's the same entity that mm-hmm. owns rental properties, that yes. owns your building, then yeah, you would you could put those together. Uh, you could package those Package together. that into one policy. Then. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. And that would include a liability side and okay. it would include a property side. All right. Nice. Now, I know a lot of uh, home-based businesses, sometimes they'll say, well, I have I have insurance for my homeowner's insurance and I have this umbrella policy that covers certain things. So I'm covered, right, Mike? So, so Brandon, are, are you actually covered? What do you recommend with somebody who has a home-based business? Well, that depends on who owns your home. Mm. If you personally own your home, okay. then your insurance covers you personally. But if you're talking about your business, that is separate. It's a different thing. It's, it's a different animal. Okay. Yeah. So typically with your home insurance, um, you're going to have a personal liability limit that comes with that. Okay. And usually they formulate that based on uh, the value of your home and what you could what what you could potentially potentially be liable for. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so with your business, you carry a general liability, which is going to help you cover if if anybody becomes damaged from throughout the course of your business. Okay. Okay. So accidental. So general liability handles accidents pretty much. Slip and falls. That's correct. Stuff that happens where you're not negligent or. Well, and, and it, it does extend a little bit beyond that. Mm-hmm. So like in the case of a contractor, you're going to have what's called a completed ops okay. coverage, and that will cover your work because you're not going to stay there and protect your work after it's installed. True. You know, if you build a home, um, that's going to cover 
any injuries that come if that home collapses on top of somebody. Okay. So okay. completed ops. What, what other types of specialty insurance do business owners sometimes seek out? Yeah. So it depends on the, the type of business. I mean, obviously you have people that operate in a professional capacity, like a doctor carries medical malpractice insurance. Mm-hmm. Lawyers will carry what's called, um, they'll call, it's called professional liability insurance. Okay. And that covers them throughout the course of them acting as an attorney. Okay. Uh, professional liability also can be uh, written for other types of. It's like law. malpractice, but for attorneys. For attorneys, for mortgage brokers, for okay. anybody that, um, that, operates in a professional capacity. Gotcha. Okay. okay. So, yeah. It's also It's also called, you know, insurance. Same thing. Error and omissions insurance. Errors and same, omissions insurance. That's the same type of thing. Okay. Right. So it's professional liability. That's right. Okay. That's right. So we as insurance agents, we carry errors and omissions insurance, professional liability. Okay. Um, because if we screw anything up, we have a policy there that covers, <laughs> it covers us it. just like, just like anybody else. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, um, we we've talked. We were talking before the show about um, a lot of stuff, but uh, <laughs> uh, we we were talking about um, different policy uh, for like a key person that you have employed for you. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So there's a product out there called Key Man Insurance, mm-hmm. and usually that's coupled with what's called a buy sell agreement. So in a partnership, the business will usually purchase life insurance on those key individuals that operate the business. Okay. Usually it would be the owner. Okay. Key man insurance is going to uh, cover with, in, in case that person dies, it will pay the business, the beneficiary, the business would be the beneficiary. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that is altered a little bit to where the spouse can be involved in that as well. Yes. Um, those buy sell agreements will um, direct the business on what happens when one of the partners is no longer is no longer there is no longer there that's right we were talking about this we had an attorney on an estate planning uh attorney and and we we kind of delved into this a little bit mm-hmm. and we we talked about sometimes in a partnership you can have if if you're married we're a community property state right mm-hmm. so pretty much everything that's yours your spouse is entitled to your share and right. if you get divorced, they're entitled to half of it too. So right. you have to stipulate in your operating agreement whether they can come in and they have voting rights or they can do anything with the business. But quite often, key man insurance is used to pay off the spouse in the event of their untimely death. And uh, it can it can be good because it, it gets them out of the operation of that. Yes. And it's something that's... Uh, but that needs to be specified, has to be specified in the operating agreement. Yeah. Okay. See, that's where it gets so, tricky. You have to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's where a good attorney will help you out. But, mm-hmm. but that is done through the product of life insurance. Absolutely. Okay? So it's basically a life insurance product, but it's, it's written in a way that the beneficiary is usually the business. And a lot of times that buy-sell agreement will say, okay... If one person expires, um, now we're using this life insurance money to buy out the remaining spouse gotcha. or, the, or, or whoever that person's equity of the business. So is. you work with attorneys normally to, to, to make sure that this happens, right? Uh, typically, we'll get referred to by attorneys. Okay. Uh, a lot of times, though, we work with businesses, and that's something that we bring to the table to them to say, do you have this in place? And if they don't, we, we will work with their attorney, or we will bring an attorney to, that can yeah. help draft with that legal documentation. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. We'll makes take care sense. of the policy. The lawyer will take care of the, the legal documents. Gotcha. Okay, good. All right, what's a bond? <laughs> and how is bonding different than insurance? You, you'll you'll often see people that say, especially in trades, uh, cleaning, 
Uh, uh, you know, construction, I'll say licensed and bonded. What does that mean? So bonding is different than insurance. Okay. Bonding is where you transfer your ability to execute something mm-hmm. to the bonding company. The bonding company basically backs you up and says, listen, this person is going to take care of their obligations. Um, the most common type of bond that we use is a payment and performance bond. Okay. And that's mostly done in the construction industry. Gotcha. Where if there's a large project that happens and it requires a bond, um, they, the bonding company will certify that the contractor performing the, the job is, is capable and financially capable of doing the job for this agreed set upon price. Gotcha. Okay. okay. So the bond is, it's not insurance because it doesn't cover uh, liability. It doesn't cover for personal Has nothing injury. to do with liability. Nothing to do with okay. liability. So surety is another word for bonding. And, okay. and that bonding is a lot of times required by the state Mm-hmm. or the county or whatever the municip- municipality is that you're working with or through or who's overseeing the project Okay, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, and, and in that case, they will stipulate in the bid conditions you need to have a bond of a certain amount that's That's, that's correct. There. Okay. And, and, and basically, um, one big difference between bonding and insurance is that bonding will require a, a, an indemnification agreement. Okay. Okay. With business and insurance, the entity... The business is what's on the hook. Okay. But with a bond, you're usually personally guaranteeing behind that. Oh, okay. 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 So what happens is if, uh, if, if I, if I'm going to do a job for the state, Mm -hmm. they say, okay, this is going to require a hundred thousand dollar bond. Okay. Okay. I will bond it with my personal financial strength and I will have myself. And because I'm married and it's a communal state, my wife will have to (laughs) indemnify as well. Wow. So that if I don't perform on this job, then what happens is the bonding company gets filed upon mm-hmm. and then they will step in and they will make sure that the job gets taken care of and built Wow! at okay. no other expense to the state. Okay. Yeah. So the bonding companies take a really big risk. It is a big risk. It is. It's a big risk. Okay. So the underwriting process with bonding is very, very intensive. Financials, personal financial statement, mm-hmm. sometimes tax returns. And if you don't qualify because you don't carry the financial strength with you, you will not get a bond. You won't get a bond. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. People say, well, I gave you all the business. So bonds aren't guaranteed. You, anybody can qualify for insurance pretty much, right? Uh, no, not anybody. Not anybody. I mean, I mean, there's an underwriting process, but it's much easier. Okay. It, it's far more stringent um, to get a bond than it is to get uh, a regular, a regular uh, policy, a regular insurance policy. So like a general liability business policy, are there times where that's not extended to a business? Um, it all depends on who the named insured of the business is. A lot of times you'll have entities that are owned by other entities. Mm -hmm. And so we will call what's a named insured would be who is the owner of the policy. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So if, if, if you own a business Mm -hmm. and you also own another business, okay, but that entity owns both businesses, a lot of times we'll name all three. We'll name all three. Okay. That that, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, so are bonds typically cheaper than insurance? Typically, premiums? typically they, they are. Yeah, because uh, the more of the liability rests upon the person. Well, ultimately, not not always, but not sometimes. Always. Okay. okay, it's a different scenario each time. So, the expense of an insurance policy is based on the risk that's being transferred. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's and there's a rate, and if you if you manufacture fireworks. Okay. <laughs> You're going to have a very high rate of insurance yeah. than if you are a barber or you have an ice cream shop or something very okay. main street. 
it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. So, but a, but a bond is yeah, a bond is is much more intrusive. It's much more depth. Yeah, <laughs> so they go much for, deeper. So prepare for that. Yeah, the underwriting process is different. The cost usually runs now. It can be based on your credit score. A okay. lot of times they pull credit. They check to make sure that if they're going to extend to cover you on this, that they're going to be able to re- recoup recoup that cost. it if they need to. Okay. Exactly. Is there a credit threshold range typically? Um, I mean, there we, is. we ask there banks is. this and you, usually it's, you know, if you don't have a 650 credit score, you're probably not bankable for a traditional lender. If you have a 650 credit score, you're not going to get bonded. You're not going to get bonded. Yeah. You need to have higher, you need to be yeah. closer to 700. You need to be 700 plus. 700 plus yeah. for bonding. Okay. Well, well, it's based on financial strength. True. You know? Okay. It's based on your history if you pay your bills. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's where bonding gets a little tricky. It is cheaper mm-hmm. than insurance typically. Uh, usually a payment and performance bond runs anywhere from 2 to 3%. Obviously, if your credit is a little bit less... If you're still bondable, you'll pay a higher premium. It can cost you a little more. It okay, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Just like when if you're buying a vehicle or something for the business and your uh, your credit's a little subpar, you're going to pay extra at the well, and and that's the difference when you're buying a vehicle for the business and when you're buying a vehicle personally. Personally, too. Right? Yeah, that's a, it's different. And and one thing you should know because there are a lot of businesses that have a driving aspect to their business, mm-hmm. and a lot of business owners want their businesses to pay for their vehicles. Yep, which is okay, mm-hmm. but a commercial auto policy is far more expensive than a personal than auto a personal policy. auto policy. Yeah, I mean you're going to carry a higher limit for one. Yep. So at our agency, we have a rule that we don't we don't write an auto a commercial auto policy that has anything less than a one million dollar general li- or uh, okay. liability limit because if it's if it's less than that, we feel like our clients are underinsured. They're underinsured. Yeah. We can write them, but you will sign a special waiver that says you've been communicated to and that you know you're buying less insurance than we're recommending. Gotcha. And that okay. kind of covers us on the E&O side. Yeah, right? true, true. So business is all about covering your butt sometimes. And so, you know, even even insurance, you have to even do Even insurance, you have to do Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, any horror stories that you can share with us, you know? With oh, dozens. Ab- ab- about... Uh, Somebody that maybe uh, where where it just maybe it saved the business owner from impending doom, you know. Well, it, it almost always saves the business owner because if they if the business owner um, has vehicles, typically, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody gets in an accident. Yep. I mean these these attorneys in especially in Las Vegas wouldn't have jobs if it weren't for if it wasn't for accidents. accidents right? yep. <laughs> I can tell you, I, I've had clients that have rear-ended somebody. And before anybody can show up, there's an attorney knocking on their window going, here's my car. Here's Call my car. Me. Give me a ring. Doesn't your yeah. neck hurt? You know? <laughs> and, and it's a very adversarial relationship between personal injury attorneys mm-hmm. and between insurance underwriters, adjusters, and agents. Absolutely. You know, everybody's pointing their fingers in different directions. Um, but, yeah, no, I there have been some horrific situations out there. So I have a client that owns uh, multiple shopping centers in, in town. Mm-hmm. Um and they had, uh, this is a few years back, they had, a, they had a person that was visiting their shopping center and was pulling out onto one of the main roads. And there was a, a gentleman on a motorcycle that was doing 80 miles an hour on the motorcycle. And so he was speeding. He was speeding. And he rear-ended the car and lost his leg as a result. Oh. He didn't kill him, which he was very lucky. And sometimes those, those cases can, those claims can be more expensive sometimes yeah. than if he had actually died and on killed, the scene. Yeah. yeah. And so... Um, Anyways, his attorney argued that the hedges were too tall. 
even though he was speeding. <laughs> and so when the car pulled out into traffic, um, he didn't see them because they were liable for the hedges. Okay? Wow. And keep this in mind. When you buy insurance, you transfer the risk to the insurance company, to the company. Or in exchange for premiums. Okay. Okay. But with that, you're also transferring your right to really have any say in the matter. Okay. Yeah. They make the decision whether they're going to, they're going to go to court or not. I say they, I mean the insurance company, the insurance company controls whether or not they're going to settle, whether they're going to fight. And a lot of times they make business decisions and those business decisions are such that, uh, we feel that this could cost us a lot of money to fight in court. We would just as soon settle out for this X amount of dollars first. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they got, they got brought into this lawsuit. Um, the, the car that left the, sh- the shopping center was carrying um, lower limits than, than I would recommend. Mm-hmm. And so once those limits top out, that's it. That's it. You're done. Yeah. And the attorneys are looking for anywhere, any way they can to get the most amount of money for wow. their clients, which yeah. is what we do, right? Mm-hmm. We all do this. Yeah. And uh, so my client was told by their adjuster um, that we feel like we are could potentially be joint and severably liable. Okay. Wow. And joint and severable means they're tied together You're tied to together the other insurance the companies. There's more people there, right, yeah. involved. And they said we could potentially be on the hook for five or six million dollars mm. based on mediation. So we're gonna settle out and they've accepted three hundred thousand dollars. Wow. And they were guilty of nothing. Of uh, having beautiful hedges. Having right? their hedges be too tall <laughs> for an 80-mile-an-hour motorcycle to yeah. judge his speed. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 kind of awful. But this is the world we live in right now. It's true. You know? Um, people, we, we I try to talk with my clients about um, ways to manage their risk as mm-hmm. best they can. And some of those ways include safety measures. Sure. You know, um, everybody's been in an accident and yes. some have been their fault and some have not been their fault. True. Right. So I make a suggestion that if you want some cheaper rates, I would invest in onboard cameras in your cars. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i in the process of putting onboard cameras in my cars in my household just because. Just I've in seen, case. I've seen too many videos of somebody trying to cause an accident. Absolutely. Or, or somebody says this is what happened, and that's not really what happened. He said, she said, until you see the video. Yeah. At the end of the day, when there's an incident, uh, a traffic accident incident, just because the police write a ticket does not mean that's what determines That's guilt. final. Yeah. yeah, it's not. You could be guilty of something, right? At, what happens is the, the adjusters from the insurance companies mm-hmm. usually get together, and they say, okay, here's what happened. Here's the facts of the case. I feel like we are X percent liable. We feel like you are X percent liable. Sure. Sometimes that turns out to be a 50-50 situation. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there can be lazy insurance adjusters that work out. Sure, sure. And they don't, they don't do their job well enough to make sure that all of the facts are considered. Okay. You know, they're dealing with thousands of accidents on a regular basis. Yeah. Sometimes, so. sometimes they just have a backlog. You got to get through them. Exactly. Exactly. How quick does insurance kick in? So say I'm a business owner, I call you up and I go, okay, I need a general liability policy and I need a bond. Mm-hmm. Um, how long does that process take to go through underwriting? Well, it kind of depends on how intensive it is. Okay. You know, I have some, I have some clients that it is a very intensive process. Um, we have to check. Ex- so there's, there's pieces that make up uh, an insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a lot of it is rated on a couple of different factors. 
Usually it's sales. Okay. Or it's payroll, or it's a combination of the two. Sometimes it's the square footage of the area that you're working that in. You're, a lot okay. of times we'll see restaurants or you know ice cream shops or whatever that are rated based on their square or a footage. warehouse or something like that. Yeah, I mean if you're transferring your risk to somebody else, how does that person really know how do they what assess they're it? up for? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So the, by determining the size of your business, mm-hmm. it's going to be sales. True. How many employees do you have? How much in payroll? Yeah. You know? How big is your risk then? Exactly. Yeah. So um, they they get. We call those exposures, mm-hmm. okay? And that exposure, and these are terms that we typically only use in insurance, and they yeah. they tend to mean different things than in the normal world. Um, but uh, what I try to do is I try to work with my clients and educate them on insurance and how it works. I was a business owner before I became an insurance mm-hmm. agent, and I had a broker who sat me down and he said, "Listen, you got to know this. You got to know this." And I learned some very expensive mistakes yeah. over the years. Um, I had one lawsuit where we were a contractor and we, we built a school here in Las Vegas. Um, and we did the grading for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we didn't, we didn't build the school, but we did all the earthwork and the school district bought a piece piece of property and we won the bid and we started building on it. That school required us to import 300,000 yards of dirt. Wow. Okay. It was like a, a low spot mm-hmm. in, in the Valley and it got, had to get raised up. Well, in 2000, I want to say 2002 or 2003, we had the 100-year flood. Yeah, remember I remember that. that. Yep. And it was kind of awful, right? So in the 100-year flood, the water came sheeting across the, the land, and normally it would have went uh, south across the land and fell into the, into the uh, drainage channel mm-hmm. and went down. Well, we were building. We were raising it up. We were wow. building our job as required, as, okay. as yeah. it was designed. We don't, we don't design the jobs. We build the you jobs. You just build it. Yeah. We just build what the, what the architect draws, right? Well, it came across and it hit our dirt and it went south. It went east instead and it <laughs> went into uh, condos. It was oh, a condo geez. job, right? Well, they had had a contractor there that had put some filter fabric over the drainage system. Mm. And the filter fabric is a way to keep pollutants out of our water system because everything drains out to Lake Mead. Absolutely. It keeps debris and things out of there. Mm -hmm. Well, the debris collected, covered it up, made a lake, pushed the wall over and went into the units and it caused what they called was about $400,000 worth of damage. Mm. Okay. Well, we got sued because we were, we did the job. Yeah. The general contractor got sued because they were hired us to build the job. And the school district probably. And the school district got sued, <laughs> right? Because it's their site. Yeah, it's their site. <clears throat> so so we go into mediation, and our, we, our insurance company was handling it, and mm-hmm. we were working with them all the way along. We gave them all the information, and I was feeling really good. I was like, oh, man, we've got a hydrology expert. We've got all the plans. We're sitting we, good. I've got Yeah, I've got all my information. Like, this is easy, right? So we sit down, we go through everything. We gave our testimony, my, my partners and I, and the hydrology ex- expert, he gave his testimony. And um, our insurance adjuster turned to us and he said, thanks for your participation, guys. We've got it from here. And I was like, mm. we're winning this. Like, okay. This is a good deal. Like we didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Right. Just because you didn't do anything wrong. Doesn't, doesn't mean you're liable. Well, and here's my opinion of the legal system. <laughs> Somebody's getting paid. Of course. The attorney's going to get paid, and usually the claimant is going to get something. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, and so, anyways, uh, I got a call a few days later, and they said, hey, I just want to let you know we settled the case for hundred grand." And I was like, 
You're like, what? $100,000? For what? Yeah, for what? What did we do wrong? And they mm-hmm. go, well, you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. But this is a cost of doing business. Yeah. Right? So I had to pay a little bit higher insurance for a mm-hmm. few years until it fell off because we have a look-back period of five years as a broker. Gotcha. The, the insurance companies look at five years. They so go back. Okay. And they want to know what it's called your loss history. They want to mm-hmm. know what your loss history is. And if your loss history has some payouts that... Your premiums are going to be higher than moving well, forward. Or, Just like if you have a car accident and you've yeah. you've you've had claims, exactly your insurance premiums will be higher. Yeah. So we have what's called a loss ratio, and that loss ratio is how much did the insurance companies over that five year period pay out mm-hmm. versus how much did you pay in premium, and if they're lopsided, you may there not be is. eligible to buy insurance. Okay. So so in a in a in, in this particular contract you were in was with uh, Clark County School District, right? So right. Um, when you're doing business with a municipality there will be bonding requirements that, that have to happen. There'll be insurance requirements that have to happen. Even in my business, every time I set foot on a job site, I had to have a million dollar rider yeah. just for that particular job site, just to drive my truck onto the site. That's right. And that was just what they required in order to do any work on the site. I had to have that. That's correct. And, and it's the same way, right? When you're working with a municipality. That's right. So the municipalities will have, um, they'll have requirements that they want to be met. Okay. And it'll be sometimes be job specific. Okay. And that, those requirements will have a list of things that you have to have. You have to have workers' compensation. Mm-hmm. You have to, ha- which is by law, you by have law, to carry you it have anyways. To have it anyway, yeah. Yeah. And, and people say, well, it's just me. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. They don't care. No, they don't care. You meet our requirements or you don't do the job. I, I work with a company that they, they did some surveying work in the desert before they built freeways and roads and things. Mm-hmm. So, we have uh, protected species in Nevada. One is the desert tortoise, right? right? So they would have to hire the turtle guy to come in mm-hmm. for like one week a year, maybe, <laughs> to count and move and whatever that they have to do for a highway right. or a road. And now, now think in the middle of nowhere, middle of, yep. middle of Nevada, they're doing this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they literally could bring the person on, but they'd turn on workers comp for this person for the three, four days to a week that they're there. And then once they're done, they turn it off. That's another thing. And people don't realize you can turn insurance on and off. You can. And uh, one of the nice things is too, is we talked earlier about how insurance is rated based Mm -hmm. on your exposure. Now, if your exposure goes up, you're going to pay more in insurance. Okay. Okay. But here's the trick. Most people don't realize this. Almost all policies are auditable. Okay. Okay. So at the end of the policy term, you're going to get a notification from your insurance, um, the insurance company, and they're going to say, tell us what your exposures are. Tell us what your exposures are. It's all about exposures, right? That's right. That's that's really what it is. And if if your exposures have gone up, you're going to have what's called additional premium come Mm -hmm. due. Okay. Now, adversely, if your exposures go down, you're going to get a credit back. Absolutely. Okay. If you didn't land jobs you were expecting to, or if you, um, you, you know, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Right. We did a lot with COVID where people were paying their insurance and then they couldn't have any employees come to work. Yeah. So what we did is we went in and we lowered their exposures for their payroll and their workers comp cost them much less to keep in place. See, now stuff like this is why it's important to have an insurance broker as part of your team. Right. You want your attorney, your CPA and your insurance person. Exactly. I, I mean, that's that's really what you want. Um, and, and as we talked about, uh, Brandon, just you, you work with attorneys and CPAs we do. on this stuff, because quite often 
if you're if you're participating in a bid situation or something, you have to have your legal documentation done. You have to have your financial docs done, but you also have to have your insurance docs done. That's right. And every contract uh, has it in a section. Wow. So every contract has it. So you have to make sure you 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 dot all your I's and cross all your T's with that. So yeah. I think I think that's pretty amazing. And everybody gets sued at some point. If, if you're in business and you haven't been sued, mm-hmm. it's almost like you might be doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you're, yeah, or you're extremely lucky. Or you're just lucky. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Like I was telling somebody, we got sued in our business eight times in eight years. Wow. And I say four of them were, were legitimate. We had, a, we had a problem, right? right? And we said, sue the company then. We'll work yeah. it out in court. Four of them, though, were completely frivolous lawsuits. Completely yep. frivolous lawsuits. And in one... I, uh, the, the lawsuit uh, alleged that we couldn't couldn't uh, buy wholesale. That's literally what the lawsuit said. Really? Yeah, we got uh, we got in trouble for buying uh, some product from a company that hadn't paid the original creators for the content. Uh, we were buying some prints uh, mm. of a certain type of artist. They hadn't paid the artist oh, or the. It was a copyright the, situation. It was a copyright situation, okay. and yeah. but they alleged we conspired with them to buy at a wholesale price. So we were then defrauding the artists out of money. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we just bought prints from these guys. You, you know, and the sad thing is about that is in all honesty, I'm going to bet that the attorney made more money than the artist did. Probably. Yeah, probably. It's typical. Well, when we got named in the lawsuit with 12 co-defendants, mm-hmm. including Disney company mm-hmm. and a, a former president Trump's company. Right. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I remember making the call to my attorney and going, this isn't fair. It just yeah. isn't fair. We didn't do anything wrong, right? right? We didn't do anything wrong. And he said, uh, he said, it's okay, Mike. Well, uh, you know, I'm licensed to practice. We got sued out of Chicago. So he's like, I'm licensed to practice in Illinois too. So no problem. I go out there. I'll probably have to go back and forth two or three times. Here's my per diem rate. <laughs> You're going to have to pay for my hotel and my airfare and all that. And then, you know, I bill out at 300 an hour and, and this and this and this. And I'm like, so we're going to, and he goes, yeah, we're going to settle, Mike. That's what yeah. we're going to do. I said, yeah. we didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And he said, it doesn't matter. So we, we ended up settling. So, and, and like I mentioned this earlier, it's my opinion that the legal system is geared to, to pay money. Yeah. Okay. Whether it pays it to the attorneys or whether it pays to the actual Well, the attorneys who are always hard. make money. Well, and look at our judges, okay? Our mm-hmm. judges used to be attorneys in almost <laughs> all where, cases, That's right? where we find them. It's the, yeah. you know, it's the minor league attorneys that went up well, to the majors. And, and unfortunately, the insurance company collects premiums, mm-hmm. okay? So they're the ones who are going to pay, right? Yeah, it's and, true. And, you know, it, it's awful, but it's the reality we live in, okay? It's a cost of doing business. You're yeah. going to have legal fees. Now, there was a case uh, here in town of somebody who owned multiple uh, apartment complexes. There was a fight that occurred. Uh, there, there was a drug deal. It was a drug deal that had gone outside. None of these people, neither of these two individuals lived at the, at this place. They ended up fighting over it. So it was an illegal transaction. They ended up getting in a fight and they jumped the fence into the property. So they were trespassing, mm-hmm. illegal activity and fighting. Right. The one guy got stabbed. He didn't die, but he got stabbed. So... He sued the apartment complex and said, I wouldn't have gotten stabbed if the fence was higher, if lighting was more sufficient and you had a security guard. Right. And so the, the, they had, and they, they, and they won in court. See, that really surprises me. I mean, he may have won, but here's the deal. 
is the the people who are actually going to pay out on that are going to be the apartment complex. Yeah. Because in almost all cases, insurance does not apply if law is broken. Exactly. And so he had to end up selling one of his apartment complexes to yeah. pay for the damages that the jury awarded mm. to the the criminal well, who was injured. And, and this is why we have the protection of an entity, Yeah. right? So that you have an entity. That's why you have an LLC or a corporation. Yeah, an S-corp or whatever. Yeah, you, you don't want to be personally liable for something. Exactly. Okay. As long as you stay one step away from... You, you got to have layers of protection. You do. You know, and the more successful you get, the more layers you need to have. Absolutely. And, and, and in talking about that, you know, you mentioned earlier personal umbrellas. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a personal umbrella, you are selling yourself short. You definitely need you one. You can buy a personal umbrella. I mean, now it depends on how many cars you have and how much you have to lose. But in most cases, you can buy a million-dollar personal umbrella for a few hundred bucks a year. So it's a, it's a cheap investment yeah. into your future. Well, and a, an umbrella works this way. It takes the limits that you already have, and it raises those limits by however much you purchase. So if you have a 100 300 limit on your auto policy and mm-hmm. you buy a personal umbrella on top of it for a million you now have a 1.1 1.3 million limits nice okay. so if you're in an accident and god forbid somebody dies because of that accident and you're found at fault at any point in time and let's say the payout is going to be your bodily injury limit is a hundred thousand dollars okay Hundred thousand dollars can get eaten up really fast. Really fast, and I mean, yeah. think about it. If you if you have a building and you have a, you have you have your business at your building, mm-hmm. and let's say you picked up your kid from little league practice, and he brings his friend with him, mm-hmm. and you go into your office and you happen to be in there and a shelf falls over and hits the kid and hurts him. Yeah. Okay, that hundred thousand could be gone like this. Oh yeah. Because that is a that is a very well, and the difference would be is you're in a business. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your business insurance should cover should that. kick in. Not your personal insurance, yep. okay? And the business insurance would, if you only had a $100,000 limit for your business. Yeah, you're, you're you, doing something wrong. You need to fire your broker. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. we, we I tried to uh, market myself as a trusted advisor, mm-hmm. okay? I'm here to help you. I am not here to just make money off you and never talk to you. Okay. So, so you're not like my attorney when I call, I don't get a bill for 150 bucks or my CPA, for, no. I don't get no. a bill for 75. You can actually call your insurance broker and, and say, Brandon, I got some questions, man. And what if we Absolutely. did this or what if this happened? That's what you're there for. And, and I do that every day. Yeah. Every day I field calls, usually from clients that I already have. And they say, here's a situation. What do you think? How do I have, th- how do I work through this? Mm-hmm. And I'll give them my advice from an insurance perspective. Okay. And I say, you need to talk to your attorney and you need to ask them legally what to do. What to do. On top of that list, CPA, attorney, insurance broker, I would say HR advisor. HR okay? advisor, yeah. There's a type of insurance which is extremely important if you have employees called employment practices liability. Okay. Mm. EPL insurance will cover you in yeah. the event of, uh, uh, sexual harassment, okay. wrongful termination, or dimiscri- dim- uh, uh, discrimination lawsuits. Which which you can get filed at any time for any reason. At any time for yeah. any reason. If you have an employee and you don't have EPL coverage, you are going to find yourself in trouble at some point. Okay, so we need general. So if I have a, if I have a business, just a typical business, okay. I'm, I'm looking at general liability, mm-hmm. potentially some bonding if I need that. If it requires. A lot of companies don't have bonding. Don't have bonding. Mm-hmm. Okay. You need E and O 
errors and omission if, you if you're a professional yes, basis. Um, and, and then, as you said with this, some HR insurances too yeah, as e- well. EPL, empl- EP- Employment Practices employment Liability. Employment Practices Liability. Is there anything else you, you would generally consider yeah, for somebody? So the next biggest thing would be called workers' compensation. Workers' comp, okay. okay. And you are required by the state to cover your employees while they're at work. Yep. Wherever that is, if they work in their home, if they're out do- knocking door to door in a sales capacity, mm-hmm. or if they're at your location, they need to have they need to be covered. Yeah. So and what typically happens is you pull your buddy on to help you out do some stuff, even if they're yeah. a volunteer. Right. Okay. Even if they're a volunteer, if they get hurt in the in the line of duty, the hospital asks them, "How did this happen?" Right. Well, I was working. They don't say I was an independent contractor doing my own thing over here. No, they don't say that. They say I was working for Mike. Yeah. And uh, Mike yeah. sent me out to do this, and then they look you up. And well, and a lot of times, what'll happen is is they'll ask how you were injured on yeah. the forms you fill out, and if you say work, or if they say, they'll ask you at the hospital or at the doctor's office, "Did you get hurt at work?" Because their rates are different than if they are for your medical insurance, <laughs> right? Yep. Because they're going to go for the gusto, mm-hmm. right? These doctor's offices don't get paid on your. $25 copay. No, exactly. I mean, they do, but at the end of the day, there's a, a negotiated rate with the insurance companies, mm-hmm. but with workers' compensation, there's no negotiated rate, right? <laughs> so it could be whatever they want. Well, whatever, whatever I mean, whatever's can, reasonable. Whatever's reasonable. Yeah. But still, yeah. that it's that's way worse than a negotiated rate. It is. It is. And unfortunately, there's systems out there. People, people have learned how to work through the workers' compensation system. Mm-hmm. Um, to take advantage of it. Yeah. And it does, it really can, you, I've seen it, I've seen it kill companies. Wow. Yeah. So I I have one client that is a masonry contractor. Mm -hmm. Okay. And for years they would build block walls. They did mostly block walls in between houses. Everybody's got block walls in between Mm -hmm. their houses. Right. And uh, he would have the guys use a wood pallet that the blocks came on as their ladder. Right. Okay. And they would they would walk up the pallet a couple of steps and they mm-hmm. would do the wall when they needed to reach that higher level, right? And they would they would lay until they couldn't reach anymore and then they would move down, you know? And my guy, he had an inspection one time and we had a loss control person come in and try to help him find ways to to make his job site safer, mm-hmm. give him a better OSHA rating, sure. you know, keep his losses down. So he bought a he bought a really long scaffolding system that was only like two feet high. Okay. So he had guys on there and they weren't used to just keep laying right all the way to the very end. Mm -hmm. Uh, They, they would have to get down and move. Well, anymore they could just lay and he was going to make his guys more efficient Mm -hmm. and he was going to build walls faster. Hence make more money. Yeah. Well, he had one Mason that got to the end of the end of it and he turned and fell off of it. Fell off the scaffold. Fell off the, Two okay. feet. Two feet. Fell two feet off the scaffolding, <laughs> broke his wrist, oh. had to have surgery, ended up with a PPD award, a partial permanent disability award oh. from the insurance company. That sounds expensive, Brandon. $65,000. Yeah. Oh. $65,000 because the guy fell and broke his wrist off of a two-foot scaffolding that he put in place to try to help make his guys more efficient and be safer. Be safer. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, we try to put these, these things in place to, mm-hmm. help, to help make our lives easier. And at the end of the day, you're working with people. And sometimes people are dumb. 
And people make mistakes. People make mistakes. They <laughs> Sometimes people fall they off do. a two-foot scaffolding. Yeah. So what he had to do, he had to start having safety meetings. Okay. Yeah. You know, then he had to put like a little, some flagging at the very end so that guys knew when they were at the end to step <laughs> off and not fall off. It sounds funny, so, right? But it's, that's just how it, it is. It's funny there. to say, but it's not funny when your experience modifier goes up with your mm-hmm. workers' comp. And now you're paying a premium because you have losses. It reminds me of the OSHA safety belt that you have to have on you at all times when you're on like a scissor lift or something, right? The amount of times people used to never put those things on is, is ridiculous, right? Right. But if you get caught without that on, that can be a very hefty fine. And that's why they make them hefty. And that's why they make them hefty. They want you being safe and wearing them. That's true. That's true. So, and at the end of the day, I, I, I would say, just about every business owner wants their people safe, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Yeah. You don't want to be responsible. You don't want to hurt your somebody. employees. Yeah, for somebody yeah. hurt. Unfortunately, there are unscrupulous people out there sure. who take advantage. And that's why I said almost, almost everyone. Well, and that's why you need to have an HR system in place mm-hmm. so that you interview people, you pre-employment drug test them, yep. and you check their motor vehicle records before they drive a vehicle. Absolutely. Okay, because what will happen is, what if you hire somebody that had a DUI within six years? What if they run into it? What if they hit a kid in a crosswalk? Even worse, right? yeah. And you didn't check to see if they had a DUI. Yeah. And they were drinking at the time. Right. You know, all of a sudden, this case goes from this is just an unfortunate incident to yeah. now the business is very much liable for this. Absolutely. You know? And I'll tell you what, what can happen as well, because a lot of people will hire an employee and they won't notify their broker that they hired somebody mm-hmm. that is now driving a vehicle. We do this every year at renewal time. I'll say, hey. Who's driving what? Where's when? your vehicles? I need your list of employees. Because we provide the service of, of pulling the MVR from the DMV. Oh, okay. And we go, okay. Here's so you your check M- them all and make sure. Well, we do. We check them and we say, you need to you need to approve these drivers. Have right? you had some crazy uh, results that come back and you have to inform the business? All that, the time. Well, because what will happen is, is they won't notify us when they hire an employee. Who thinks mm. I'm going to call my, my broker and tell them? Well, if that person is going to drive in their capacity of employment, they need to be added to your policy. Mm. And if they are ineligible because they have a DUI, a DUI or, or a suspended license or one of a dozen things. It could be a bunch of things. Yeah. And there's a claim, you won't get, you. the claim will not be covered. Wow. And that could really bear That could really business. mess you up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, could. That makes That makes entirely great sense. It does. Um, let's see. I had another question on bonding. Is there any other type of bond that, that you can think of that we haven't talked about? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of bonds. Um, for the most part, things can be picked up by a miscellaneous bond. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just depends on what's being asked for. Nobody is going to go bond just because they want to You just don't bond. get a bond to have a bond. Somebody's right. asking for a bond, correct? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. And a real common one, and we talked about this earlier, is a notary bond. Mm-hmm. Okay, Notary bonds can be very cheap. I think they cost about 100 or $110. And that way you can go through the class and have your notary and you can be able to sign legal documents mm-hmm. for your, in your course of business. Um, those are very inexpensive. We sell them all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also bonds for uh, offsite improvement bonds. That's more okay. of a construction related bond. I know there's cleaning bonds that come through. Quite there are often. cleaning bonds. Um, there, you know, there's all kinds performance of performance bonds. bonds. Yeah. Performance and surety bonds. bonds. Well, sh- a bond is surety. Is surety. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those are synonymous terms. Um, but, uh, you know, bonds are, you know, whatever you need 
it has to follow the form that it's written on. Okay. So a lot of times um, if somebody says, okay, I need this bond to operate in this capacity for whatever municipality, usually mm-hmm. they're tied to municipalities. Okay. Municipalities always require bonds. Gotcha. Okay. They want to know that you have the financial strength to do the jobs that they're asking you to do. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Um, and, and those bonds will be written on a specific form. In fact, Clark County will ask you, it has to be written on their Form. On their form. Yeah. Interesting. A- and so they, you will pick up a bond packet from the county, mm-hmm. and it will have a certain color sheet because you can't just make a photocopy of it. <laughs> it, it has to be it on has their to be paper. Their paper. And it's numbered. It's original. It's original. Okay. So, yeah, and it, it has an embossed number on it. So Interesting. Yeah. I mean, bonding can, get, can be really tricky, but if you have the right professional, he can guide you through it without a problem. That's interesting. So. Great information today, Brandon. Um, is there if, if you could give a business owner that just says, "Boy, I'm really clueless with insurance," mm-hmm. you know, is there any is there any final word to say? Here's something you really need to do, or you really need to to. Yeah. What should they focus on? You know, having a good broker. Having a good broker. Yeah. Pick a broker. If you if you don't talk to your broker more than once a year, you're not getting out of them what 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 we're paid to do. Mm-hmm. And most of the times, our commissions come from the insurance carriers. We yeah. don't only unless in certain circumstances will we charge uh, what we call an agency fee. Mm-hmm. We don't. I, I never charge those. So you your know, clients like, don't even don't even have to pay yeah. you. You get paid from the insurance That's products. Right. That's exactly which right. is great. Yeah. And and one of the things I've always recommended brokers for business owners because mm-hmm. you need different types of insurance and you can't just you can't just go to the place where you're getting your car insurance for your personal done. They probably won't have what you need, number one. True. And number two, you need somebody that understands the business side of things. Exactly. Exactly. So you need a you need someone who works in the business industry. Absolutely. And that's that's, that's what, what you we, do. Yeah. Proper okay. we, we are we are business agents. Okay. That's, well where where can we find you at Swartz Manning? So uh, we're in Summerlin. Um, you know, you can reach us at Swartzmanning.com. Uh, we've got some other special industry programs that we have affiliated with us that we work like in the cannabis industry, okay, which is very, very hard to insure by the way. Absolutely. So you really want to have someone who knows what they're doing in that industry. Okay. Cause you'll, you'll, you'll lose a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a lot of liability. My, my goal, if you're, if you don't talk to your broker more than once a more year, than once a year, you're, you're hurting yourself. See, that's a, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't answer your call, if he doesn't answer your call, get another or broker call you back in another, in a day or two, what are you wasting your time for? Yeah. Yeah. I talk to every one of my clients all the time. All the time. Every, and they all know they can call me on my cell phone and I will pick up or call them back if I'm helping do a podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, thank you for being here with us today, Brandon. What, what, what's a good number they can reach you at? Uh, you can reach us at uh, 702-878-2028. And it's S-W-A-R-T-S Manning, M-A-N-N-I-N-G.com. Yep. Schwartzmanning.com. All right. Thank you, Brandon. And once again, this has been the Biz Life Podcast. I appreciate you being on the show with us today. You're welcome. Um, Thank you for all the insights and information and great stuff for small business owners. So thank you. Thank you.